0: Welcome to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and put into practice. I'm Gwen DeSelm, and I am honored to be your host as we begin Season 2 of The Word for Everyday Disciples. We have been so encouraged by your response since we started this podcast a year ago, and we look forward to bringing you another year of messages filled with timeless truth from God's Word. If you're new to this podcast or you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you've been blessed by this ministry, consider supporting us. Just go to DaveDeSelmMinistries.org and click on the Donate button. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church. Today, he is the Executive Director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at org. As we step into a new year, these verses from Proverbs are great words to live by. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Friends, learning to trust God more and more is essential if we hope to grow this year as followers of Jesus. And if there's anyone in the Bible who can teach us about trusting God, it's Abraham. Well, let's join Dave now as he starts a new teaching series on Abraham called The Journey of Trust.
1: One of the privileges I have or the things I get so excited about is when I come back after my time off is to start arguably the most strategic teaching series of the year. I've had all this time to think and pray and reflect personally. God, what you'd say to me and to us, and many times they mirror one another. And this year was no exception. Quite clearly, in my break, the, the theme was set, and it was that of trust. Trust. The thing is, early on, uh, it was ominously begun. I'll explain. I went away. Uh, Early days of my break, and had my annual physical. And uh, the doctor, great doctor, and he examined me from head to toe and said, uh, everything looks good except um, I'm concerned about my exam on your prostate. I'm concerned. And uh, the PSA numbers reflect my concern. He said, I think it's only 50-50 that you have cancer. Um, But I'm going to ask you to go to a specialist. Well, some of you know what that word's like. If it's 50-50, then it's also what? 50-50. And it's kind of shook me more than kind of. And so we set the appointment, and I went, and uh, the specialist did his exam, and he said, yes, I, I, I feel the same thing. And he said, look at your numbers. He said, um, we're going to take a biopsy. I don't know. Biopsy. Whew. And so early on in my break, I'm just on pins and needles for days. Well, we got the phone call. Gwen and I were outside, and Doctor V is an Indian guy, great specialist. Doctor V calls, and he had to use Gwen's phone since mine was inside. She says, "Hello, Doctor V," and I thought, "Here it is. What's what's it going to be?" And then she said, "That's wonderful news." She said, "Yes, he's right here." I said, "Hello, Doctor V," and in his heavy accent. He says, "Pastor, congratulations." congratulations it's a boy you know congratulations congratulations he said you are cancer-free you are cancer-free so yeah but for those days again some of you know exactly what i'm talking about like everything changes and i find myself asking some real hard questions do i really trust god i mean really really Can I trust him when my very life seems to hang in the balance? Will I trust him? And throughout the rest of my break, it seems like that theme just kept coming back. As I was praying and dreaming about fellowship's future and my future and praying about that, realizing that some of the decisions that I have to make are huge in scope, that God, help me. And once more, the whisper of the Spirit said to me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Spent some time discussing with folks through this time. It was amazing to me the number of conversations that all boiled down to trust. I talked with one of my kids about a, a job change, and it came down to, what are we going to trust God for? I spent time with a great friend, longtime time FMCer, and he and his wife were facing the double whammy of job loss and a perplexing physical condition that there are no answers to yet. And the word that came was, we're going to have to trust God. Trust God. Talked with an extended family member who's relocating in his 60s. He's relocating. And he said, it's a whole new adventure of trust. And so as I thought about that, I think, I think I had the theme for us. In fact, let me ask you, how many of you would say, I have at least one area right now Maybe it's a relational challenge, a financial circumstance, a physical condition, an occupational issue. But at least one thing in your life where you're thinking, I've got to decide how much I'm going to trust God. I mean, you're just facing a trust issue right now. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that this series is going to be right up our alley. I'm titling it The Journey of Trust and in looking at it, we're going to be studying the steps of Abraham. His life is so filled with inspiration and so crammed with application. For those of you who like long sermon series, well, you're getting one. But every week, as I have put this thing together, every week is just filled with amazing insight. His journey was not perfect. Often it was three steps forward, two steps back. He messed up a lot. But in the midst of all this, I thought, there are application after application, that being the case, I hope you'll make effort to be here every week because every week's going to build on the one in front of it, okay? So stay current with the whole, whole, whole thing. And I'll tell you why this is so important. The extent that you trust God will be the key determiner for how you navigate your life. Just think about that. The decisions that you make, the choices that you opt for, It'll be determined by how much you trust God. We don't know what the future holds. We're going to have to trust something or someone. That being the case, how much you pray is proportionate to how much you trust God. How much you obey is proportionate to how much you trust God. How much you worry is proportionate to how much you trust God. How much you hurry is is proportion to how much you trust God. How much you give is proportion to how much you trust God. In short, how you live is proportion to how much you trust God. It is the key determiner. That being the case, we would do well to study Abraham because he ongoingly had to ask, who are you? And who am I to you? And can I trust you? Thing is, it was no easier for Abraham than it is for us. So let's jump right in. We'll be looking uh, in a few moments at Genesis 12, where his story starts, but I'd like you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 for a little bit of a retrospect on his life. Hebrews chapter 11, in the New Testament, for you who uh, might be doing your Bibles, Hebrews 11 is called the great hall of fame or hall of faith. You want to have some inspirational stories, read through Hebrews 11 of men and women who learned what it was to walk in faith. And Abraham is right in the heart of the chapter, beginning in verse 8. Have you found it? Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Look at the next phrase. Underline it in your thinking, if not your Bibles. Even though he did not know where he was going. A lot of questions. I have no idea. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. To my way of thinking, Abraham is in the top five of key biblical personalities. Number one, of course, is Jesus. You put in the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, I'd have to throw in Moses and King David. But Abraham makes the top five cut, I think. It's a remarkable story of a man who learned what it was to walk by faith. Now, we know him as Abraham, but for the first 99 of his 175 years, that's how long he lived, he was known as Abram. So I'll do my best to call him Abram till the shift of name, but if I mess up, you'll understand. Abram, Abraham, same type thing. Now, he lived at the end of the early Bronze Age, roughly 2000 BC, in a thriving cultured city known as Ur of the Chaldees or Ur of the Chaldeans. It's modern-day Iraq. You'll notice the Tigris and Euphrates River, the Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamia. Because the regularity of the water system in the rivers, it's no wonder that a thriving city just mushroomed out of the desert there. And thriving it was. At the time of Abraham, Ur was one of the largest cities in all the world. 50,000 plus citizens. It was a city that had great wealth and culture. There was a university there. There was a library there. This is 2000 BC. The people of Ur were committed to commerce and culture. From all that, we can deduce that Abraham and his family were highly successful and quite prosperous. When his story kicks off in Genesis 12, he is 75 years old. Though he'll be living for another 100 years, you've got to think that he was pretty established. He had a home, property. He had prestige. He was respected. Now, the people in Mesopotamia uh, worshipped a pantheon of gods, many gods. The chief deity, believe it or not, was called Sin, S-I-N. The chief, he was the Lord of the heavens. It says in Joshua 24, 2, that Terah, Abraham's father, the patriarch, worshipped idols. So we can rest assured that Abraham, following in the family heritage, would have been a full-blown idol worshiper. He would have worshipped sin. Which makes it quite remarkable that God chooses him. In an amazing act of grace, God takes him. And says, I want you to follow me. And if you dare to leave your comfort and security, your family, all that is familiar, you follow me and I'll bless you. As we'll see in the weeks ahead, it was an amazing challenge. Can you imagine being asked to do that? And yet, by faith, he did it.
0: Thank you for listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will return in just a moment, but before he does, I thought you might be interested in hearing the rest of the story of Dave's journey with prostate cancer. Two years after the events Dave described at the beginning of this message, we got another call from Dr. V. Only this time the news we heard was, "'I'm sorry, it's cancer.'" It had been hiding in a spot that couldn't be reached in the previous biopsy. That sent us deeper and deeper into our own journey of trust, praying and hoping for a miracle, yet trusting God's perfect plan. Well, I'm pleased to tell you that today, five years after surgery to remove that cancer, all the numbers give us the confidence to say that Dave is cancer-free. Guys, I just want to urge you, don't neglect your annual physical exam. We were fortunate to catch Dave's cancer early, and that made all the difference in his treatment and prognosis. If you'd like to follow us on our journey and find out what's going on in our lives and ministry, then sign up to receive the DDM Weekly Update. Each Monday morning, we'll send out the latest news and information of what's happening with Dave to some ministries, as well as a personal word from Dave. You can subscribe by going to davedesalmministries.org. Now let's return to Dave as he continues the journey of trust.
1: Genesis 12, 1 and 2 on the screen. Let's lift our eyes and voices. Here was God's call to him. Together, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Now, as we read this, you need to understand something. It's kind of, I guess, obvious. But the book of Genesis is the, is the first book of the Bible. So that being the case, Abraham did not have something that you have. You know what it was? A Bible. He didn't have the stories of people who discovered how good it was to follow God. He didn't have any testimonies. He had nothing. He had to start with that. We read in Romans fifteen four. in our retrospect, that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We have the stories, don't we? He had none. He couldn't go to a Christian bookstore. He couldn't study theology. He had nothing. And that ought to be encouraging to some of you who sit here today with more questions than answers and more doubts than assurances. I don't know if I can follow him. I don't know if i buy it. Recognize that you're no different than Abraham. He had very little to go on. And he hears this remarkable offer, invitation. I want you to understand that Abraham went going without knowing. How did he do it? But we're told how he did it by this wonderful movie, one of my favorites called What About Bob? How many of you are familiar with What About Bob? For you who are the uninitiated, Bob is a paranoid. He has all kinds of fears and insecurities. And the only way Bob can make any progress is to make what? Baby steps. I'm going to encourage you wherever you are along the spiritual spectrum. Some of you are skeptics, some of you are seekers. Others of you are really trying to be disciples of Jesus. Christian maturity, walking in faith, is a matter of taking one step after another. Baby steps. I'm just guessing, but I think I can do so with confidence. Some of you right now, the idea of walking in trust and faith is an easy thing. You look back at the past months and God's been good. Bodies have been healed, provision has been made, jobs have been found. God's been so good to you, and now for me to call you to step into a whole new level of trust, your thought is, I'm ready. God's shown himself strong. But there are others of you who are here, and you're struggling right now. You've faced brutal betrayal. A marriage has fallen apart. A loved one has died. A job has been lost. You're in terrible pain. And you've got this deep wound. And here's what I'm concerned that you have done. I'm concerned that as you look back at your life recently, Exhibit A is the pain that you're in right now. You've processed your disappointment, the betrayal. You prayed and it wasn't answered. You prayed the job didn't come. You asked God and provision wasn't seen. You lost your marriage. You lost your spouse. You lost your health. And right now you think, you know what? I've done the evidence. Exhibit A God does not love me, He cannot be trusted done with the case and here's my concern the pain is so great that you've taken exhibit a as to how god did not come through for you and you put it right there and you carry it with you wherever you go and right there is close to your what your heart god comes courting and i think in these 17 weeks he will come wooing he will try to show himself as real He will try to demonstrate that Exhibit A does not have to have the last word. And you be really careful holding Exhibit A too close to your heart because over time, your heart can become irreversibly hardened and you refuse then to even see the evidence of anything other than Exhibit A. I implore you, hold it loosely. I recognize your hurt. I can't fathom your pain. But maybe, just maybe, he might want to say something to you in these weeks that there's more to your life than Exhibit A. In so doing, in this great verse, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Don't harden it. Don't harden it. Be open to the fact that maybe, just maybe, he is trustworthy. One more thing, and this may sting a little bit, so fasten your seatbelt. Sometimes, hear me now, sometimes, after the deep wound or terrible disappointment, exhibit A becomes an excuse to refuse to submit to God's authority. Sometimes, it becomes a smokescreen for living life the way you want to live it. Be very careful that you use that as a reason to not bow your knee to the eternal one. I'm not denying the hurt, but in a twisted kind of way, we choose to justify our independent spirit because you didn't come through for me. Sometimes disappointment from the past becomes an excuse for keeping God out of the present. Be careful. You be careful with that. You'll find your heart so hard your justification for your sins so real i'm not asking you to take a cannonball leap of faith can you take one step just one step trust does not arise out of a vacuum trust is based in the knowledge of and confidence in the one in whom it's placed that's why we're really not going to be studying abraham as much as the god of abraham Who was this one who called this man? Can he be trusted? Did he show himself strong? Could he perform the impossible? The more you know your God, the more you grow in trust. And the more you grow in trust, the more you'll step out in faith. I love the way it's rendered in the book of Daniel. The people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Love that. Those who know their God... They're the ones who trust, and they're the ones who show the world the kingdom. Abraham's journey of faith, as we'll see early on, was not perfect. He made a lot of mistakes, costly ones. And once more, I think we can identify with that. But God was so gracious. The more I studied Abraham on my prep time on my break, the more I thought, God was amazingly gracious. Time and again, he offered forgiveness. Time and again, he redirected amazingly, God was patient, and I thought, oh, God, we're going to need that because none of us are going to take it straight. It's going to be three steps forward, two steps back. We're going to trip. We're going to fall. We're going to lurch. We've got one another, don't we? But it's going to be a challenge. I'll be frank. I'm going to push you in these next steps. Well, I didn't write it. God's going to push you in these next weeks. And here's the deal. Your status quo is going to scream, don't leave me. Your comfort is going to be challenged. Your fears may be aroused. Your doubts may be excited. The evil one is going to want to whisper to you. That's the way you've always been. You don't have to change. It's not so bad. You don't really want to go there, do you? My challenge to you is going to say, you know what? I'm going to take one more step, one more step, and see what maybe God might do in my life as I do. I hope you'll join me. I'm excited. I've already begun to live it. I'm sure I'm not done. Let's live it together, shall we?
0: Thank you so much for joining us for The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.